welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 115. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's Q&A episode, we just want to remind you as always that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to tell your family and friends about them, take a screenshot and post it to your social media stories. Tag Jack, tag myself, and tag the Bodybuilding Dietitians. Now, Jack, jumping into this episode, first question, it's a good one. It says, how can you reduce food focus? Great. So very relevant one for us and certainly a good one to start with. So let's begin with what is food focus and why is it maybe not so good? Could it potentially be good as well? And we'll have a good discussion about this topic. So what is food focus? So food focus is basically... It kind of says what it means, doesn't it? How focused are you on food? And this can be interpreted a few different ways, I think. So how regimented are you with nutrition? So like you thinking about things objectively, like your nutritional intake. So maybe it could be defined as a bit of orthorexia. Are you obsessing over, for example, how many grams of fat you're consuming each day? Or the other food focus, more of kind of which we're experiencing right now because we're in a comp prep and we've been dieting for a long time, is how, how much is food absorbing your thoughts throughout the day? Like, are you thinking about the next meal after, while you're eating your current meal? Are you planning out your days in advance in My Fitness Pal? Are you dreaming about those post-show meals and, and following all the foodie pages on Instagram? So I think uh, there's definitely a balance between too much and maybe maybe not enough food focus some people because they're so non-food focused they just have very average diets like that's just the reality of it people who don't give a crap about what they eat purely because they're not interested in food from from my experience they may not have the best diet because they just eat what's on hand they eat conveniently and as a result of that when you actually break down their intake not enough fruit not enough vegetables not enough whole grains not enough dairy, just because it's not a priority for them. Yeah, I think that is a fantastic pretty much wrap up of what food focus is right from Podcast the get-go. Done. Oh boy, first question. All right, let's move on to the second question. Just kidding, guys. But Kara's going to have a say. I always have to have my say, man. I'm, I'm 50% of this audio. But I think it's really important to just say from the get-go that when you've been dieting for a prolonged period of time, Being a little bit focused on food is a very normal physiological response because essentially if you are depriving yourself of energy, then your body is going to try to dedicate more of your thoughts towards seeking out more energy because believe it or not, the body doesn't really like being in a caloric deficit, especially if you've been dieting for over Mm. six months. Yeah, and that's something really interesting point that you bring up and I've worked with a fair few people who it's almost like they're surprised or I've heard stories where people are surprised that when they lose weight they're like why am I getting hungry like why am I focusing more on food and I think it's quite easy to forget that people may not realize that when you enter an energy deficit even if you are overweight you're going out of homeostasis and Mm -hmm. your body is going to signal you to eat more and restore that homeostasis and uh, so an upregulation of appetite, focusing more on food is your body's way of getting you to plump up a bit more. Yeah, because believe it or not, your body likes being energized and your body cares about you. Yeah. Because from human evolution, that's always going to be ingrained in us because 
generally when people were going into energy deficits, the body was freaked out that it might be going into famine. Mm. So obviously cognitively it tells you like, Hey, can you think more about that stuff that I really need to survive? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> but I think guys that you need to recognize that food focus, it is very normal. And I would even argue that it's inevitable, but just because it's inevitable doesn't mean that you can't implement strategies to manage it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think we're going to be addressing this question now more so from a, you're intentionally bringing on, you're doing something that is intentionally bringing Mm -hmm. on food focus. So you're intentionally dieting. If you're maintaining your current healthy body weight, like if your BMI was, is in the normal range and you have a very, very high food focus, this is not kind of the the tips for you because you need to address why you have that food focus in Mm -hmm. the first place. So because we're in prep, naturally we're going to answer this more specifically for our experiences right now, which is like, I'm probably around six to 8% body fat. You're unnaturally low for a female as Mm -hmm. well. So as a result, we got some food focus. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's such an important point to make that you can be a very healthy body weight by you know specific standards per se, but still be very focused on food. And in that case, then that's when you really would need to seek out more psychological help. Yeah. Yeah, but right now, I think that you know we have lost a lot of weight. I've lost around 11 kilograms. You've lost almost 20 kilograms. Yeah. Where did you go? Crazy. <laughs> Absolutely wild. And this that- mic in front of me is almost hiding me. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> no, but guys, with food focus, we you can't avoid it, but you certainly can manage it. And I want to say too is that don't go out of your way to make yourself even more food focused than you already are. So you will see people that just, they, they make it even tougher than it needs to be. So is this tip number one? Yes, I'm saying tip number one to reduce food focus. Don't purposely put yourself into environments where you are going to be increasing your food mm. focus. So what I'm talking about here is if you've got to rack up some daily steps, don't go to the supermarket and don't walk around, you know, in the candy don't aisle. Don't go to the food court. <laughs> yeah, don't go to Eat Street and just walk around the markets and sniff things and be like, oh man, you know, don't put yourself into that situation because it's just going to make it so difficult. So don't put yourself into situations that are going to increase your food focus. So that's actually like a physical one. Another one that you could certainly... It's also a, a mental rabbit hole and that's... Something that I've almost conditioned myself out of this Mm. prep is in a good way is that when I find myself thinking of food, more specifically food that isn't relevant to my prep right now, I have kind of conditioned myself to automatically just stop thinking of that. Like for example, what I, what I'll eat post-show and, and stuff like that. And naturally where in prep, when I would say we're on the lower end of food focused people, um, mainly because of these tips we implement. And because we're dietitians, we love food. (laughs) Yeah. It just might not be the food that people associate with cheat days or cheat meals. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's another thing. In order to reduce food focus, I would say while you're dieting, don't majorly restrict yourself from certain foods that you enjoy. So don't feel like you have to go hardcore by any sense and just eat plain grains, you know, and boiled chicken Mm. and boiled vegetables, and you can never touch salt or pepper or any sort of spice, or you can never have a diet soft drink or something. Don't restrict yourself so much because 
boy, that's really going to bottle up and you're just going to start fantasizing about all of these things that you've classified as bad and Mm. wrong and you're not allowed to have those things because then, oh boy, when you let the gates open, you're not not just from like a, a weight gain perspective, but also if you haven't eaten, I don't know, something like quinoa for six months and mm. then you have 200 grams raw weight of quinoa, your stomach's probably going to explode. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's, that's another point. <laughs> quinoa is an interesting example. Uh, that was the, the first thing that came to mind. No, but that's a good point that it's not even necessarily foods that are deemed less nutritious. Mm. You're not, we're not even talking about like, you know, donuts and yeah. pizza or something. Actually, this is what I, I, I'd forgotten for a second, but when we bring out new recipes on, on our Instagram page or YouTube, we do get an influx of people saying, oh, I, I wish I, like I'm on prep, I wish my coach allowed me to have this, or I wish I could have this, but I'm on prep. But like we're in prep right now, we're mm-hmm. the ones who bought out the recipe, surely that's an indicator that it's more than fine to have this on prep. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially things like cream of wheat, oh my like gosh. that's just wholemeal flour. People <laughs> tell me they're like, my coach says I'm not allowed to eat wheat. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we don't want, we could, that's another rabbit hole to dive down. Then. Anyway, so we always ask the question why, just ask why. That's yes. What, and I'll leave it there. Yes, exactly. And if they can't give you a good reason, hopefully they can say, I don't know, but yeah. I'm going to find out and get back to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But we've said, don't put yourself in actual physical environment to be food focused, but and what, mental and mental. And what I was really getting to is on social media, again, don't go onto social media and search up hashtags of cookies and cakes and pizzas and chocolate and then follow all of these foodie pages. And then every time you go onto your Instagram, you're just scrolling and drooling over all of these foods. Again, that you've told yourself, nope, that's off limits. I'm not allowed to have that. Because again, like that's just going to build up the urge and the temptation even more to just want to majorly indulge in these things yeah and i think that links in well with the for prep the reverse dieting process Mm. or for any weight loss phase is you're kind of setting yourself up to allow yourself to go absolutely nuts Mm. post-show and that's something sure you want a day where you can enjoy yourself and accept that there's going to be some weight gain because we we need to gain weight. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm hella looking forward to some weight gain. That's for sure. <laughs> Same. We're going to be feeling so much better. <laughs> yeah. And it's just going to be controlled weight gain. Sure. I'm, I'm going to have a, this, we'll have a whole podcast on reverse dieting and our personal journeys, but like I'm going to allow myself a day afterwards and then it's kind of back into normality. Mm-hmm. But that also links well, not just on a social media perspective, following those pages, but in a in the physical environment as well mm-hmm. like if you if you go over to a comp prep competitor's house and you open their pantry and they have this whole shelf dedicated to what they're going to be eating after show uh oh boy red flags right season a here in australia it is around the time of easter so yeah. you might see people you know when they're having the big easter chocolate sales they might buy 20 bunnies and mm. they've got all these bun- chocolate bunnies in their house and they're like yes post comp <laughs> yeah and i mean i struggle to say that something is really really wrong with that mm. because in a sense like that is kind of like normal people might have a shelf for their their cereals or their chocolates or whatever mm-hmm. like their more discretionary shelf is maybe and but, but i would say that's normal if it's something that they're allowing themselves to yes, eat on a daily basis yeah 100 percent, and not something that they're 
they're at their wits end for so mm-hmm. like that's the only glimpse of hope in the future and if you if you rest your diligence and consistency and adherence of your prep onto that shelf that's that's a, that's tough and i hope i kind of got across what I was meaning to say that. No, without a doubt. When you're going through a competition, the ultimate goal is to present your best physique on stage and really enjoy the journey. And at the end of the day, it's a competition that's testing you. How well can you truly push yourself in terms of training and nutrition and your physique and yes, all of your discipline, but it's not a competition of who can restrict themselves the longest from the most highly palatable foods. You know, who's the most mentally resilient in that case? Sorry, that's not bodybuilding. Mm. Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular content on our Instagram and YouTube channel. You can find those platforms by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. Yeah, and I think probably the next point that I was thinking of, which can be the most difficult to change, is your who you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt that like, if we didn't prep alongside each other, it, it, say if I prepped around my... Well, my family are very, very uh, cautious of what they eat. You but, and I probably aren't the best examples, yeah. eh? <laughs> Maybe if we prepped in a, a share house or something, mm-hmm. where you used to live in a share house, people bring home pizzas, yeah. this guy used to live off sausages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you open his fridge and it's like, literally like rows and rows of, of um, bunning sausages, but <laughs> and ketchup and bread. Yikes. But basically, like that can be tough, and that's that's really, really hard to... To, especially if it's your partner or your loved ones or mm. your, your brother or your sister and they're picking out in front of you all the time that can make things really tough and if you try and exclude them from you just because of the food you also run into problems there as well because then you're excluding someone you like and you love just because they're, they're eating foods that you can't have yeah and it, it is that balance between like you don't want to isolate yourself but also you need to recognize that you have goals and you want the other people around you to understand that you have goals too and the thing with that guys is that you just need to have a clear line of communication and you just need to have that conversation and i've had this conversation with a lot of my clients because when they're going through a very, you know, strategic and diligent plan and they're working towards something that matters a lot to them, sometimes we can build up these ideas and assumptions in our head of what other people think without even them actually saying it out loud. Mm. So for example, you might be at your workplace and at lunchtime, everyone else is, you know, eating subs and someone brought cookies and someone got a takeaway pizza and you've got your pre prepped salad with some chicken and you know a few pieces of fruit and you think that everyone's judging you you think Mm. that oh everyone thinks that mandy is the really healthy one and you know she never wants to eat a slice of pizza or a cookie or anything like that but they've never actually said that out loud you just assume yeah but sometimes you just need to have this open conversation with whether it's your family or your friends and be like hey guys I'm working towards something really big right now and it really matters to me. So you might notice that unfortunately, if you get a pizza, I might just not be able to have a slice, but obviously I'm more than happy to go out to the diner with you. Yeah. And they're like, that's so cool. Like usually people, if they're- Usually people will admire you, yeah. not, not hate on you. Usually if they're worthwhile friends, they're gonna support you. Yeah. Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. Another thing I wanted to mention too about trying to reduce your food focus, and again, not putting yourself in that physical environment, is do your absolute best to not hoard food. And I think that this kind of relates back to having that shelf. shelf. But I can actually speak from experience in this sense because 
back when I was like 16 years old and I started to develop very disordered eating habits back then, this is something that I majorly struggled with. I restricted a lot of foods and I would obviously label things good and bad, but in high school, sometimes, you know, the teachers would give out chocolates and stuff like that as, mm. um, which is normal. But what I actually started to do is I started to hoard all of these chocolates and I had this huge Ziploc bag that was just full of chocolate bars and chocolate eggs and I would just keep it on a shelf in my room and every time I'd open up my door I'd see this this big bag of chocolate growing and growing and growing and at this time I was just highly obsessed with the scale and trying to lose a lot of weight and really focused on my long distance running but boy, like after a few months of losing over 10 kilograms and then it came around to Easter, I cracked and I didn't just have one chocolate or two chocolates. Like I just sat in my bed very late at night while the rest of my family was asleep and I was just stuffing myself sick. I felt so ill because I ate so much and it was, it was awful. It was mm. absolutely awful. And I would have been in a much better position if I would have just been in a classroom and I would have been like, oh, cool. My teacher gave me a chocolate. I just ran 15 kilometers this morning. <laughs> I can eat a mini sized Mars yeah. bar. Or even just give it to your friend. That's probably yeah. what more of what I would do. Like if I genuinely don't want the chocolate, instead of hoarding it at home, I would just give it to my mate mm -hmm. who would probably gladly have it. Yeah, but probably if, give me five bucks for it. If you build up that like huge psychological pressure of no, I'm not allowed to have this because eventually you, I'm just saying you probably will crack. I think we mm. all will crack. We will slip at some point or another. Well, if you, if you're hoarding something, you kind of have the subconscious intention that you yeah, will Yeah. Like you're like, eventually I am going to dig into that yeah. and I am going to eat all of that mm. but you just you physically feel so sick mentally your head's just in a completely different place like a whirlwind of emotions i had to after i ate a bunch of this chocolate but there was so much i had to give this bag to my mom and i had to tell her to hide it uh and my mom very thankfully i think she actually threw it away mm. and then a few weeks later like i was feeling like, oh God, I'm going to crack. Like I really need some chocolate. I went to my mom and I asked her for my bag of chocolate back. And she told me like, Tara, I can't find it. I don't know where it is. Oh my God. I was hysterical. I've never been such a just tornado of just screaming and yelling. And where is my chocolate? I was going crazy, man. Hmm. So whatever happens, don't let yourself get to that point. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I, I think it's important to recognize here that None of what we're saying, it, it's all to the extreme. Like mm. Tierra had, we've discussed this on previous podcast episodes and I've had similar tendencies myself. We both had disordered eating in the past, which is what, what part of what made us become dietitians and why we can relate to so many people. Yeah, we never had classified eating disorders. No. And the same with this. This is more relevant to comp prep. Mm. And I, the only reason I bring this up is because we've had reviews in the past where people are like, Jack and Tierra, orthorexia, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I just want to recognize and, and put it out there that what not we're saying, what we're saying isn't healthy or normal. It's mm. to the extreme. And guess what? Bodybuilding is an extreme sport. Yeah. So. And guess what? I think that a lot of people can probably relate to this. Yeah. And we're always sharing these messages with one being authentic and honest. And I'm talking about back when I was 16. I'm, mm. I'm about to turn 24 this year. So guys, this was wow, almost. Wow, you are old. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a mature 
young woman, <laughs> old woman, middle-aged woman. Maturing woman. I'm a maturing woman, that's for sure. But this was almost a decade ago. Yeah, true that. Anyway, yeah, don't get yourself to that point. But I think that a lot of people, unfortunately, they struggle with these things. Mm. And having open discussions about it, it helps. And it lets you know that you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, so those are a few ways to definitely help reduce food focus. And yeah, just don't restrict certain foods. Yeah. Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com or alternatively, click the link in the show notes below. My last piece of advice would be don't unnecessarily diet. Like. Mm. It, we, you need extended periods in a surplus or at least a maintenance phase. Again, the reason why I say surplus is because a lot of our audience are physique athletes. And if you're constantly jumping in and out of a surplus, then you're never really going to truly address those issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember when I was in, when I was in my improvement, improvement season phase, when I was heavy, when I was eating a lot of food, my food focus was down the drain. And that kind of, it almost was a detriment to my diet as I said right at the beginning, because my food focus was so low that I was just so overeating that uh, my diet probably could have incorporated a bit more diversity. I probably could have switched up my vegetable options a bit more frequently, but because I just didn't care, I just needed to get in the calories. Sure, my diet was very nutritious, but there are certain areas where it probably could have improved. Mm -hmm. And strategies that we've actually implemented in our own competition preps to reduce food focus One is not putting certain foods off limits. We're not like, oh, I'm not allowed to have any dark chocolate or, you know, like whatever. Yeah, no eggs on bananas or a bad fruit (laughs) or something. So like we don't restrict things per se, but we also do keep our nutritional intake fairly darn consistent Mm. so that our mind can't drift off and start to fantasize about these certain things because you and I, we both have macronutrient and calorie targets that we yeah. aim to We don't hit. follow an exact meal plan. No, we don't follow an exact meal plan, but at the same time, we actually have gotten to the point where we kind of are following our own personalized, tailored meal plans. Yeah. And that is because we want to reduce food focus. Otherwise, mm. sometimes people are like, I love macros. I can just open up my fitness pal. It's like a clean blank slate every day. And I can just plug in whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want as long as it hits my numbers. Man, when you've been dieting for six months and you're hungry, okay, and you're like, oh, cool, I've got these certain amount of foods, like, you are going to dedicate way too much cognition to trying to think like, oh, should I have dark chocolate or should I have peanut butter or should I have an egg yolk? Should Mm. I have oats or cream of wheat? Like, do I want potatoes or do I want rice? What do I want? And like, you will drive yourself nuts. So sometimes... What we've done is it really helps to obviously have that dietitian tick of approval to make sure you're getting an essential nutrients every day and good nutrient plant variety and across the day, but keep that fairly darn consistent day to day to day so that you don't have to stress over like, Ooh, maybe I could have this instead. Like sometimes you just got to be like, no, that's what I'm having and I'm going to lock it in. I'm not thinking about it again. Yeah. That's what I've been doing for like the last few weeks and I even found myself with cream of wheat, like I would, the base would stay the same, but I would be like, oh, do I want an apple? Do I want a banana in it? Mm. Do I want uh, some Marmadukes or Macro Mike on top and or real peanut butter? And it would kind of, even that, which is very low compared to some people, was just making me 
overanalyze and, and hyper focus on the cream of wheats. Yeah. And you're like, I'm spending way too much time looking at my, my fitness pal right now. I've got yeah. shiz to do. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you sleep better at night. So make a decision and lock it in and just make sure it's nutritious. But yeah, it's really helps with consistency and really helps with digestion too. That's for sure. Cool. cool. So final point is just in relation to what I said at the start is that a certain amount of food focus is important because it can be interpreted as a sign that you care about what you're putting into your body. For example, the example I gave is if you're not food focused enough, you will just kind of eat willy nilly. Like you'll be the classic plain cornflakes and I don't know, almond milk for breakfast. Mm. For lunch, you'll go out to Subway and get a meatball sub. And then for dinner, you might have like a potato or two with a steak. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of nutritional gaps there. Let's just say that. So uh, that's that's just an example. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's the thing, if you remember to eat, some people are like, oh man, you know, it's five o'clock at night. Mm. I didn't even eat lunch. And I'm like, how are you talking to me right now? <laughs> so yeah, boy, sometimes you need to be food focused because you need to be nourished. And that would relate so much as well to athletes. I think some athletes who are obviously so hyper-focused on their exercise, but unfortunately you could be training two or three times a day and you run into issues of under-fueling mm. and then you can run into issues of under-recovering and you're not performing at your best. That's why a lot of top-level athletes, even if you're not a top-level athlete, have a conversation with a dietitian about sports nutrition Yeah, because it can just majorly work mm. in your favor. Like I always say, this is that, no, I take that back. I've only started saying it recently, but there is a difference between eating for health versus eating for sports nutrition. Mm -hmm. And they do overlap significantly. Like you still need to be healthy to be an athlete, of Mm -hmm. course. You still need fruit and vegetables, but there are other exceptions to being an athlete. Like a normal person might not need 600 grams of carbohydrates per day, but an athlete needs to find a way to get those in. Yeah. Like you need to be encouraging people like, Hey, you should be drinking some Gatorade. You shouldn't just be drinking the diet stuff, Mm. you know, or like right after you run, like you need to get a protein shake and some milk in, or like you need to eat some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yeah. So unfortunately there are a lot of athletes out there who I would argue you need to be more food focused. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I, we are proudly food focused, man. (laughs) We love this stuff. We love food. We decided to pursue a multiple degrees in food and a career in food. So hands up. I'm just not food service. I'm, I'm proud to be food focused, but I'm also proud to say that it still doesn't dominate my life. There's that, there's that balance. Well, not right now, but normally outside of prep there is a balance mm-hmm. yeah would <laughs> right you now agree with that? i would say right now i'm managing it as best as i can yeah. but i also wouldn't deny that i'm pretty hungry yeah <laughs> okay guys so now we're moving on to this next question this one is also related to food and it says should you cut out specific foods in peak week cool so this is a very popular question with us being in peak week right now we were in peak week two weeks ago And we'll be in peak week in two weeks as Mm -hmm. well. So lots of peak weeks. And probably the reason why this question came about is it is quite popular to think you have to exclude a lot of foods during peak week because at the end of the day, we want to optimize our body composition. And there are certain foods that are perceived as maybe contributing to water retention, contributing to bloating, and so on and so forth. So what's your kind of consensus on this? I would say that if something's not causing you any digestive issues and you're looking really good weeks out from your show, then you don't have to cut 
them out yeah. just in a specific week. Mm, I Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I think people might get bogged down with thinking that, oh, I don't look 100% right now, but it's okay because I'm still having artificial sweeteners. And then lo and behold, they take out the artificial sweeteners and, and nothing changes. <laughs> so it, it's really only if you are getting some very or noticeable uh, detriments or for example you're intentionally eating konjacs knowing that you might get a little bit mm-hmm. bloated or you're noticing that sugar alcohols in your queen's maple syrup is is causing you to look a bit bloated or you you realize after eating um, brussels sprouts at your lunch meal that you have a bit of a food baby afterwards mm-hmm. little things like that and not not thinking that it's going to be some silver bullet or magic bullet whatever the saying is that's going to suddenly turn you from 15% body fat to 6%. Yeah, and I think it's always going to be a personal choice because there's no denying that some of these more higher volume, high fiber, high hydration, yes, artificially sweetened foods during a prep can make things a little bit more manageable again Mm. when you're hungry. So getting amongst things like konjac noodles, diet jellies, all the Brussels sprouts, <laughs> uh, queen's maple syrup instead of honey. Egg whites, uh, egg whites are pretty damn good digestible uh, for that for us. I mean, in terms of volume, like mm. like that's a lot of volume. Yeah, to, it, to it, it is a lot of volume. But just these certain things, like there's no doubt that they can make the dieting process a little bit easier because mm. you just feel more satiated. And it's always going to be that personal choice. And again, there's that line that people will decide on like, yeah, you know, I will fill myself with 500 milliliters of diet jelly and sure it distends my abdomen a little bit, but it's nighttime. You know, I know mm. I'll have a flat stomach again in the morning, but this actually stops me from being really, really hungry late at night. Again, superfood focused, thinking about how hungry I am yeah. and I enjoy it and it satiates me. So sometimes like a lot of people will say, yeah, okay, I'm willing to tolerate that. But then they think, okay, maybe in peak week, maybe I should start to restrict some of these things just so that I do have a very, very tiny waistline. Yeah, and what we're, we're not saying that you shouldn't take things out in peak week because mm. we do as well. Yeah. But we're just saying only take things out if, if they're causing distress in the first place. So for example, let's take some, some examples from ourselves. So I, I was having konjacs before my first peak week when my macros were a fair bit lower. I took them out during peak week because I noticed that they, they do distend my stomach a bit. They interfere with my regularity in going to the bathroom. Uh, something else that I don't do in peak week is I just don't have as much vegetable matter because it, again, it just, it, I, it's great for my digestion, but it does distend my stomach a bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to have a full stomach like full of plant matter on stage. So what all I'll do, I'll keep all my artificially sweetened stuff in, which isn't a hell of a lot anyway. It's mainly people do forget about protein powder. Like they take <laughs> out like their, their maple syrup and their diet soft drinks. But what about protein powder? Yeah. So that's, that's one you might be missing. And pre-workouts. <laughs> and pre-workouts. So I, I basically leave everything in that I, I know doesn't distress me whatsoever. And I'm, I'll just substitute things like, for example, instead of my big vegetable meal in the evening, I'll have... I'll still have some vegetables like but just maybe 500 grams of pumpkin which is like a third of what I would usually eat and mm-hmm. pumpkin is is much starchier than something like broccoli and onion 
like 30 grams worth of carbs through pumpkin or potato is very different to 30 grams worth of carbs through zucchini and broccoli. Yeah, without a doubt. And when you're carving up for a bodybuilding show, try to get those through grains and starchy vegetables, not yeah. things like cucumber and broccoli, man. Mm. And try to stick things uh, stick to things that you're used to eating. Mm. So hopefully you've done at least like one higher day throughout prep or you've done a practice peak week and you've practiced on foods that you're used to. And like, it's not even that you might not digest the food well, because let, like most people are going to digest white rice well, but let's say you have something like bread and bread is naturally quite high in sodium because it's involved in the raising process. But if you suddenly have six slices of bread for your carb up, that's like probably over a gram of sodium. Mm -hmm. And have you taken that into consideration? Because acute changes in sodium will affect how you look. Yeah. So even even from a digestion standpoint aside, there's a few things you need to consider. Mm -hmm. So during peak week, you would cut out things like konjac noodles, really high volume vegetables. Yes. That's pretty much it really mm. like everything else would stay the same i would if there's an opportunity to lower the volume of a meal so for example i hyper volumize my oats i'll probably just add like half the amount of water especially on show day just so that there's there's less in my stomach and it, it digests a bit faster yeah but in terms of especially like fluid and electrolytes mm. we just keep sodium consistent we keep fluid consistent yeah and the th we don't necessarily measure it but you and i are just on such a routine that we know like okay this time of day i always fill up this cup of water or yeah. this cup of tea and i drink this amount of fluid we do actually measure our salt using mm. a little quarter teaspoon and we just put our iodized table salt in this quarter teaspoon, sprinkle it on our food. Again, just to keep things consistent. Yeah, because I mean, an extra sprinkle of salt, that like salt is salt, it's quite mm. high in sodium. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, I think, I would recommend most competitors to, if they can measure it easily, I would, mm -hmm. I would do that. Yeah, very simple. Especially even if it's like for the peak week and the week before peak week, just mm -hmm. to get a good baseline. Yeah, and for me in peak week, the only thing that I reduce in like the final two days before show is just my vegetable intake. Because at night, I eat so many vegetables. I probably eat a kilogram of vegetables from like zucchini, eggplant, tomatoes, cucumbers, whatever is really on sale at the fruit mm. mart, you know what I mean? But like, that's a, that's a huge food volume. And for sure, like I notice at night, I'm like, it's a cabbage. <laughs> like I do look a little bit distended in my stomach and I'm like, this probably isn't going to be the most appealing thing on stage. So in the last two days, sometimes I don't even feel like a dietitian because I'm like, man, I didn't hit my six serves today, mm. but that's okay. Cause tomorrow you're the queen of cakes in peak week. I am the queen of cakes, protein cakes, always the carb up of choice. But yeah, I just reduced my vegetable intake. Everything else though, like even this past prep, I didn't once have konjac noodles. I didn't even have uh, sugar-free gum, anything like that. Mm. Um, yeah, because last prep I had konjac noodles and yeah, they flipped with my digestion. Yeah. And I just, I am so grateful for having good digestion <laughs> and I don't mess with that. Like yeah. that's again, something I want to keep very consistent. It just messes with your mood as well. Oh, like, man, if you don't go to the bathroom, like it's just not going to be as good of a day. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the best start, isn't it? It is. You Black feel... coffee and a head to the bathroom. <laughs> and then you feel light on your feet. <laughs> and yeah, you've got a this much smaller waistline on stage. And it's just a lot more visually appealing. You feel a lot more confident. So yeah, that's the only thing. But I would like, if something was actually causing me crazy havoc, like if I was consuming a bunch of sugar alcohols 
every single week of prep. And I'm like, man, I just, I feel like my stomach's as hard as a rock. My digestion is always off. Like that's not worth it to me. Mm. No matter what it tastes, how much it satiates me. Yeah. It's not worth it. So I would personally, I don't eat things like that. And that I'm the same. Like I could, for example, I'm on 400 carb now and I, I have, I've started incorporating not just pumpkin, but also potato, even though Mm. I genuinely prefer pumpkin. But I'm not going to have two kilos of pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Sure, I would love to do that because it would mean I'm sitting down for like an hour eating pumpkin. Uh, but uh, I'm not going to allow myself to fall into that. because. Mm-hmm. And the same with the diet jelly. It's just not something I've done this prep because I just I just don't want to go down that route of, of like... Because one bowl will turn into six bowls of diet jelly a day. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to... Because it's literally calorie free. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So obviously it's always going to be a personal choice, guys, but just make sure that it's with good reason. Mm. And yeah, that's pretty much that. Obviously, there's no reason to cut out just these random things that people are like, oh, you've been having yogurt for the past 20 weeks, but all of a sudden dairy's really bad. Mm. So you got got that thing called lactose in it. Oh yeah. And you know, like your bread, it's got that stuff called gluten in it. (laughs) So this final last magical week, get rid of that (laughs) and you will be looking pristine. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out like that. Usually people run into more issues. Like, you know, if you start cutting out all of these foods that you've been eating for months on end Mm. and and you whack in something new. Yeah, yeah, you replace them with other things. Your digestion's going to be whack and you're going to be like, <laughs> your body's going to be like that as well yeah man keep things just very simple very consistent and uh look good feel good yeah mm-hmm. awesome sweet all right well that's pretty much that part po- this podcast two questions but fully unpacked yeah 100 percent. so we'll end with something that we've learned this week okay well something that i've learned not just this week but it's been accumulating over the past few weeks is that it's been simmering. it has been, uh, but it's also really been helping with my quality of sleep. So there's no doubt that again, when you're dieting, sometimes sleep can just go in the tank and you never want to look to sleeping aids as the first port of call. You'd obviously always want to look at your lifestyle. You'd want to look at your nutrition. You don't want to look at your sleep hygiene, those habits. But once those things are get the big green tick, like, yeah, I'm doing everything I can to really maximize my quality of sleep. Sometimes it's still poor. So during this past prep, I've actually um, looked into two different sleeping aids that have really been helping me. I started off first with melatonin and I just take three milligrams of melatonin about 45 minutes before I wanna fall asleep. That's been working an absolute treat. But the second one that I've actually implemented these past few weeks after you were experimenting with it is ashwagandha. And ashwagandha, I found that's really helping with my Mm. quality of sleep too. So I just take three milligrams of melatonin 45 minutes before I fall asleep. And the ashwagandha, it's 400 milligrams? I think it's 450. 450 milligrams around that amount of ashwagandha. And I take that with my melatonin and I've been sleeping like a baby, but also because touch wood. Yeah. But also because I put my phone and my computer away an hour and a half before Mm. I fall asleep. We chill out. Like we read before bed, you know, it's a cool environment. I'm relaxed. Yeah. So sleep hygiene is fantastic, but those two things that I've just learned that they've really have helped my quality of sleep, which just has made this prep so much better. If you get a good quality sleep at night, like it just majorly influences how the next day is going to pan out. Mm. Yeah. It's uh, 
I've had uh, two nights of poor sleep and I, as you know, I'm feeling it today. Like mm. I feel, I had a coffee before this, so I'm feeling good. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a zombie in other means today. It can be rough. And that goes to show that you even had melatonin and ashwagandha last mm. night. It's not like, it's not like... It's uh, not a cure-all. No, it's not like what's a silver bullet. Yeah, magic bullet, yeah. golden bullet. Mm-hmm. I always think of that big bullet from Mario Kart when people say that. <laughs> you know, that the one that knocks everyone away. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jack, what did you learn this week? Uh, so I learned that, uh, well, I knew this. It's one of those things that you know, but you just haven't tried it for a while. Mm-hmm. But it's cooking egg whites in the microwave. And the reason why it's more new is because... I, I cooked the VPA egg whites, which are powdered mm. egg whites. So the annoying thing about VPA, VPA egg whites is if you're not a master chef like myself or Tierra, they can stick no, to the I'd pan. I don't argue with that. I can cook up a pretty good meal. No, I said if, if you're not a master chef like us. Oh, yes. Well, I definitely agree <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, then uh, unless you like put a centimeter of oil on the bottom of the pan or have an excellent nonstick pan, uh, you, they usually do stick or they're just tough to cook. So putting them in the microwave like... It's actually a better texture. It's mm. more creamy in a sense, fluffy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it worked out very well. So now I've just been having them in the microwave and it's a great substitute to the pan. So can you just tell people the ratios and how long you cook it for? Yeah, so I add about 40 grams of VPA egg white powder. And then I usually mix that with like 300-ish mils of water, blend that with a stick blender until it's frothy and chuck it in the microwave for like two to three minutes and you'll know it's done like when you touch the top with your finger it'll it'll be firm and it won't be watery at all mm-hmm. and yeah it's uh solid stuff top it with some avo perfect it's great some well, salt and pepper i'm keen to try that in my improvement season but i again you're not running the risk right no, now i just again i feel like i'm too food focused to like even fantasize about yeah <laughs> microwaved flipping egg white powder mm. okay i'm just like just i'm keeping of, everything the same yeah i just did it out of convenience and it, it is much more convenient it does look good i'm sure once i try it i'm gonna be like this is a new thing yeah but. i think yeah Until then, use in the pan. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. If you did enjoy it, please remember to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag the bodybuilding dietitians, and we'll catch you next week.